Welcome to Safety Bites, a weekly podcast on all things related to workplace safety, hosted by me, Jason Schaffenbuhl. The thoughts expressed in this podcast are based upon my opinion and general best practices, which may not apply to all listeners. Always consult with a qualified professional before making any changes in your organization. Welcome! In podcasts 36, 43, and 47, I have been laying out what it takes to have a highly successful safety program. In podcast 43, I talked about identifying hazards via worksite analysis, and in podcast 47, I discussed the hierarchy of controls and how they are critical to ensuring that you are properly addressing hazards in the workplace. However, there is more to hazard control than just the hierarchy of controls. In this episode, I will cover other key elements of a hazard control program, another critical component of a successful safety program. First, I need to define what hazard control is. Hazard control is a comprehensive process to eliminate or control the hazards in the workplace. To that end, I've already discussed worksite analysis and corrective actions. In podcast 43, I discussed hazard tracking and correction. Still, there is much more to hazard control, including documented disciplinary measures for violations of safety and health rules, compliance with OSHA regulations, including written programs, occupational health measures, preventative maintenance, and emergency preparedness and response. I'll start with disciplinary measures. Every organization should have a disciplinary system which addresses safety and health violations. This system must apply to management as well as non-management employees who violate or disregard safety and health policies, safety rules, workplace safety practices, or emergency procedures. The system must be clearly communicated to all employees, and enforcement must be equitable. A mistake employers frequently make is to only invoke the disciplinary system after an accident has occurred. This makes the discipline system retaliatory, and it can encourage employees to not report incidents for fear of discipline. It is critical that a system not reply upon the reporting of injuries and illnesses, to result in disciplinary measures. A balanced disciplinary process would ensure no disciplinary action is taken against an employee unless it is warranted due to violation of policy or practice and the organization seeks out and disciplines noncompliance when injury does not occur. So, an effective disciplinary action process requires that the organization spend time and resources monitoring employee compliance when no injuries are reported. This is rarely done in most organizations. If you look back through your safety and health disciplinary records, and you find that you are only disciplining employees who have reported an injury or accident, your process is a failure. You are encouraging employees to not report incidents, which is against OSHA regulations, and you are not spending enough time observing what is occurring in the workplace. I guarantee that if you spend enough time monitoring employee performance, you will find circumstances where employees are violating rules, but because they are not getting injured or reporting incidents, they are not getting disciplined. Compliance with OSHA regulations and consensus standards is another key component of hazard control. Organizations must review the potentially hundreds of standards that are applicable to their organization, implement the necessary written programs and employee training, and then ensure ongoing compliance. This is quite easy to say, but in practice it's very challenging. This means that an organization needs to ensure they have the resources assigned to maintaining the written programs, conduct both ongoing training and new employee orientation, completing audits, and keeping abreast of new and changing OSHA laws and consensus standards. You should also have an occupational health program to ensure that employees have access to qualified medical professionals in the event of an accident or to assess employee health status for prevention and early recognition of health issues. This may include post-offer physicals, audiograms, and pulmonary function exams as needed. In addition to having medical professionals available, the organization also needs to ensure it has employees trained at first aid, CPR, and emergency medical care covering all shifts of employees, available to respond to emergencies in a reasonable time. You should also consider an automated external defibrillator, or AED, 
and ensure an adequate number of employees are trained on how to use it, can access it, and ensure it's maintained. Preventative maintenance can also be a key to workplace safety, but is often carried out simply to eliminate breakdowns in production processes. A written preventative maintenance system should be in place for monitoring and maintaining equipment used by employees. Equipment must be inspected, replaced, and repaired on a schedule following manufacturer's recommendations to prevent it from failing and creating a hazard. The system must include maintenance of hazard control, such as, but not limited to, machine guards, exhaust ventilation, and mufflers. A comprehensive preventative maintenance system will also have a checklist of safety features on each machine that need to be tested to ensure they are in place and functioning before a piece of equipment is placed back into service. This can be easily overlooked if reminders are not in place. Emergency preparedness and response is the final element of hazard control. Organizations need to be prepared to respond to any emergency they may realistically face in all shifts. This may include fires, tornadoes, chemical spill, bomb threats, or active shooters. Written procedures for responding should be in place with at least annual practice. A comprehensive response procedure includes assessing the emergency, assignment of responsibilities, emergency meeting locations, and head counting procedures. As I've said before, there is no easy button to create and sustain a strong safety and health program. It takes hard work and commitment. Hopefully, through this series of podcasts, you are getting a better idea of the needed components of an exceptional safety and health program. Please take the time to review your existing safety programs. Do you have the elements in place to achieve excellence? What you do for safety today can save a life tomorrow. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and will join me next week. Until then, please make time each day to create a safer workplace.